The Mets avoided getting swept by the Padres Sunday thanks to the polar bear and the debut of Baby Got Vogel back. We discussed the trade for Vogel back. What other moves could be coming? And look ahead to the Subway Series this week at City Field. That didn't sound as good as I was hoping it to sound. The uh, But we do love the big fella, Daniel Vogelback, joining the crew. Our special guest this week is a Mets Hall of Famer, Ferry Hawks manager. He's a friend of the show, played in the 2000 Subway Series World Series. That would be... Fonzie Edgardo Alfonso. So join us on a Subway Series edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. To amazing but true, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Those highlights you heard, courtesy of uh, ESPN from Sunday night in a Mets win over the Padres, eight to five, as they avoid the sweep and get their lead back to one and a half games in the National League East. Jake Brown here, alongside my co-host, former Mets pitcher and Ferry Hawks pitching coach Nelson Figueroa his counterpart, his manager of the Ferry Hawks, and Mets legend. One of my favorite players growing up. He signed a jersey that I had back in the day of him in San Francisco when he went to the Giants after he was with the Mets. That would be Edgardo Alfonso. He'll join us later in the program. We got a stacked episode for you today, Figgy, because the Mets avoided a sweep. They avoided Panic City. They avoided entering the Subway Series, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Not in first place. They've guaranteed they will be in first place, no matter if the Braves win or lose against the Phillies on Monday, who the Phillies are just reeling. But a big win on Sunday, and Polar Pete came up with a huge homer figgy against Musgrove, who was an all-star. A big-time franchise player hit that you need there to avoid any kind of panic. And boy, that was big. And that was a must win game on Sunday for the Mets. I'm glad they took that one. Yeah, and it also got hairy again there towards the end. Why wouldn't it? Do you have Rodriguez, the lefty, giving up more runs? They do not have a left-handed option that they can go to with with any regularity and you have confidence that they're going to get the job done. It's always a kind of hold your breath type situation. And that 
really can't happen. If you I didn't understand going. why Peterson just didn't go a second inning there. I didn't understand what was even the need for Rodriguez in an 8-2 game. That was strange. Yeah, and, and that's one of the other things, right? You want him to throw a bullpen kind of so he can then start whenever he's going to fit in. But at the same time, you know, maybe two innings would have been too much. I'm not really sure. It was, it was 26 pitches in that one inning. So, I mean, I think that's where they drew the line. If he had only went, you know, 10, 15 pitches, they might have thrown him back out there. But I, I think it was good enough for Peterson, good enough for the you know staff to see him and he's just fine. I, I have some you know qualms about what's going on with the Mets left-handed relievers. They have to get somebody in there and it, because in this day and age you don't need that lefty on left specialist anymore. So it's not a it's not a priority. If you have a good lefty uh lefty that uh, can get outs and big situations and you know doesn't fold under pressure, that's all the difference in a bullpen, especially a bullpen that you still have question marks because, you know, Lou goes hot and cold and, you know, all these guys going up and down depends how many days in a row they work or how many days they don't work. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing I'm learning as a pitching coach as well alongside Fonzie is, you know, making sure that these guys get regular work. It's one thing to have a role. It's another thing to, you know, if I have a guy who's supposed to be a seventh, eighth inning guy, if we have a lead and we don't have a lead all week, I got to get him in there regardless. You know, we have to make sure that they have – some regularity and, and they're able to pitch and stay sharp. So that's one thing that I'm noticing with the Mets bullpen. And, you know, Buck has done this for years and years and years. So I'm not worried about that, but I think it's these guys really figuring out what they need to do to um, continue to have success because it's all of it's going to come down to them. It hasn't been the starters. You know, it's, it's tough to watch games like, you know, the other day you lose two to one and I know they didn't give up more runs, but you know, two, one ball game is a tough one to swallow. And then you look at Max Scherzer not giving up many runs, and then as soon as he leaves, you know, things go haywire and they wind up losing a game. That's not what you're looking for. Um, and now with Jacob DeGrom coming back, that's been his whole career. This guy has 77 wins. Um, no matter how lights out he pitches over the next, if he was a Met for the next three, four seasons, say he took a, an extension, he's there for three, four seasons. Even if he was, he's not going to get to 150 wins. The Hall of Fame is 300 wins. You know what I mean? That used to be the standard was 300 wins. Now they're going to have to cut that short because now they're like, ah, wins don't matter. So, uh, you know, what what number is he going to come close to if he continues to be healthy and, and pitch until he's, you know, 37, 38 years old and, and see what, what numbers he racks up? But the Mets offense has never supported the ground. Yeah, it's frustrating watching Friday and Saturday's losses the way they did. And I will say I was at, you know, all three games. It was muggy. It was hot. There was zero wind. There were balls that maybe could have went out. Normally, shout out to Brandon Nimmo, a ball that maybe with some wind goes out, going up against the wall, making a tremendous catch on Sunday. But it was toasty. I was bougie and hanging Delta Club and Sweet and avoiding. I was in the AC as much as I can. I had sweat towels lined up for every every weekend night. I even though the night game, if those were day games, there would be people passing out of heat strokes. I mean, it's reached that point. You know, I was in L.A. and I thought it was hot there. I came back to New York. I'm like, holy cow. Like, it's, it's honestly hotter here than Los Angeles. It was very strange how hot it was. But it gets hot for big fellas like us. And it gets hot for a big fellow, the Mets guy. You talked about relievers. They lost one in Colin Holderman, who a lot of Mets fans are like, what are we doing here? You need a bat. You were hoping it was going to be a Josh Bell or a Trey Mancini or a Benintendi or someone else. Instead, they get Vogel back. Baby got back. Baby got back. Sebastian Bach. Sebastian. I don't even know. Beethoven. Uh, so many Bach reference. Maybach music. I don't know if you've heard that in uh, some rap songs as well. Yeah. Why don't you try Rick Ross? You, you've heard that. Is it? No, it's French Montana. It's, uh, it's Rick Ross is the one who started it. Stop it. 
featuring uh, French Montana. But yes, he is the thick tater. He's got a belly that makes me less worried about my high cholesterol. He's, it's not a belly. He's barrel chested. That's what I, they would say. I, I love it. It's all one rounded thing. I just want to play a Sean Kingston song using his belly, just like bongos, just like tapping his belly and playing some Listen, music. If he proved nothing else just by that one run from second base, the man is an athlete. History was on Sunday. Vogelback had his first Mets hit. I had my first banana of my life. On Sunday. <laughs> yeah, very comparable <laughs> moments in time. That's great, uh, Jake. They're uh, both Jake, healthy. I could see. <laughs> I could see your mother calling, Jake. You had a first banana. That's amazing. You're doing so well. Amazing, but true. You oh, eating bananas, God. Jake? Well, I didn't even really. I had to like ask my roommate, I'm like. How do I open this? How do I get this open? <laughs> if there's brown on the outside, is that like a bad thing? Like, should I be oh, eating this? Uh, did enjoy it. I will say I'm going to start. Did so big, big life news. I'm talking to a what nutri- you, nutrition. That happens with a, a newborn baby, like at <laughs> month five. You tried bananas, Jake? Did you try? I may bananas? have had it as a kid, but my parents didn't like force me because they knew I'd spit it out like vegetables oh and fruit as a kid. God. So I've probably had one at some course <laughs> in my life, but no recollection of ever eating banana until Sunday, July twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, at thirty one years old. I opened that and I didn't even get through the whole thing. I ate like half of it. <laughs> it was too much. And uh, this you is know, too much goodness. This is too much healthiness. I, I got to stop. Let me go you get know, a I'm burrito. In poor shape when I'm. I said I'm seeing a nutrition list on Thursday, but it's a nutritionist. (laughs) I don't even know the title of their occupation, but uh, big news. Cholesterol is high, but no pre-diabetes. So I don't have diabetes. Everything's good besides my cholesterol, triglycerides. Going to change my habits. I need to figure out how to eat oatmeal is next. So that relates to Daniel Vogelback because he's a big guy, but Let's get back on task here. 12 homers all against righties. He's going to be hitting only against righties. He's not going to hit against lefties. They weren't going to put him up Saturday where they almost had that comeback because Nito has been clutch with runners in scoring position. Unfortunately, he couldn't get the job done on Saturday in the bottom of the ninth in that rally attempt. But I don't mind the addition, Figgy, but I do think now you have to go get an elite reliever, which we've keep talking about, especially if you got rid of one a guy who's been great. And you got to go get a Bell or Mancini because Vogelback and just Vogelback is just not enough. Weight wise, it's enough. You know, in terms of needs for bat, you got to go get probably a right hander. If it Bell is switch hitter, Mancini a right hand. Yeah, I, I think Bell would be the ideal target because he can also, you know, play a very respectable first base. Um, Bell's always been a very good player. He dealt with some injuries when he first got to the Nationals. You know, I, I liked him from his Pittsburgh days. I think he'd be a tremendous fit. Um, a guy who knows how to, you know, work the count, get on base. Mancini is a, a, a great option if you're looking for that lefty righty split. Then you can have those two guys, you know, um, alternating at DH. When Dom Smith goes down, then you wind up needing a left handed bat. I think that's why they went and got Vogelbach. But Colin Holderman was doing very, very well. Um, he was a guy that, you know, I, I liked. I liked the way he threw the baseball. And, not necessarily a question mark, but, you know, you have way more righties, right-handed relievers, young right-handed relievers who, you know, if that's what Pittsburgh is always looking for is young, under control um, type pitchers. So um, he gets a, a great opportunity to go there. Right now, yeah, you're waiting for the Mets to do something big or bigger. But with this expanded playoff situation and you see teams, you know, like Seattle Mariners winning 14 in a row, like 
the Braves winning four, you know, 14 in a row, you see those teams doing things like that. It makes it really hard for you to imagine that they're going to get an elite reliever. You know, somebody's going to just be like, ah, yeah, Craig Kimbrell for, you know, Vogelbach. <laughs> Let's do that. That's not going to happen. So uh, you're going to have to get a guy whose metrics may read as a top flight reliever especially left-handed. And that, that's one of the things with the new analytics in the game that you can legitimately look at a guy, see his spin rate, see his release access, see all the different things that he does that are maybe similar to what you're needing to profile. And it may not be that guy, but we saw what happened with the Braves. Oh my God, I'm blanking on the guy's name. The left-handed pitcher who was, he was basically out of baseball. And then all of a sudden he's the darling dandy of the World Series. They didn't give up like a single hit and was the lefty that they kept going to. That happens, you know, few and far between, but they're great stories. And I think that's what everybody's looking for is to find one of those type of pitchers who won't cost them a lot. Um, and especially if it's a younger arm and you can keep them for a few years and you don't have to worry about going out and getting another lefty next year. Uh, that's really what I think the Mets are in the market for. And speaking of baby got Bach, baby got back uh, robust market. It is for relievers is what everyone's saying. Robust means like large, like right, like big, like robust. So yes, there will be a robust market for relievers. And at this point, you might have to get a buy one, get one special. You know, you might have to get something because you're going to need possibly a lefty and a righty now, because like we said, Joelle, you don't trust Peterson's going to likely move to the bullpen. Can he be trusted in the bullpen once Jacob deGrom comes back? And a lot of people thought that would be maybe this week. Subway series would be an incredible way to bring him back. Smart move by the Mets. I think give him one more rehab start. This is still his spring training, essentially. So you'd rather not rush him. Would love to have him. You know, you're probably going to get him, hopefully, for that D.C. series next week against the Nationals. And then maybe get to see him one of those five. I mean, you should see him one of those five games against the Braves. A series that it will be very important in determining the division, potentially. You know, if, if you win four out of five, win five, that's a huge five-game series. Tyler Matzik. That's the guy's name. Tyler Matzik. He was the, the lefty who had been out of baseball or it hadn't been in the major league since 2015. And then he was the darling and dandy of the world series. So that's the kind of picture that I think, but yes, uh, Jacob LeGrom coming back. Wow. <sighs> I say this with a very, very optimistic view. I believe it when I see it and not a big fan of the needs an extra day. Things went well. I mean, he threw the ball again, like, like he does. Um, they do a side session at city field on Sunday. They're like, Oh, it looks like everything looks good. We keep hearing the same thing. So I agree. Like until we see him on a big league mound, we don't know. And even when we see him on a big league mound, let's see how he reacts to that first start and make sure, you know, we don't have a Steve Gelb's report by the third or fourth inning that he's experiencing soreness. You can only hope knock on wood. You want to see the greatest pitcher in the game right now, actually out there and pitching every, every fifth day just to have him and then Scherzer, and Bassett, the way he's pitching again, you know, he's he's very cyclical. He's going up and down, up and down, but he's, you know, riding a high streak right now, career high, 11 strikeouts. The most consistent pitcher, the guy who's doing his best Marcus Stroman impression right now is, of course, Taiwan Walker. Um, he's the guy that's been the most consistent in the rotation. Um, pitching like that first half pitcher of last year, that was an all-star for the Mets. And then, of course, you know, Cookie Carrasco, who's having a bounce back year. And Continues to hit bumps every now and then, but as a number five, please, I'll take that all every day of the week. 
he's great at either not being good in the first inning or loading the bases and not giving up a run in the first inning, which he's done multiple times. He did that again on Sunday and Taiwan Walker. Yeah. The cornrows look rocking, you know, the new haircut from Taiwan who, like you said, yeah, doing a Stroman impression, switch agencies, you know, he's pitching so well. He's like, all right, let me get a new agent to represent me. That's going to get me large dollars. He's arguably been the best pitcher on the Mets. I mean, and he will start Tuesday to open the subway series at City Field seven and two, two, five, five. He'll go up against Jordan Montgomery. And then we expect Max Scherzer on normal rest to go up against Domingo Ramon. And I think Peterson pitching on Sunday kind of revealed that Mets off Monday and Thursday, and then Marlins Friday to Sunday, but two against the almighty Yankees, 66 and 31, 35 games over 500. Although they did just lose Michael King for the season. It's pretty damn good. They're running the league right now. This is going to be fun. Here's my beef enough with the two game series. Why is Monday and Thursday an off day? This is the subway series to stand in the building you're dropping a hundo. You're paying a utility bill to get in the stadium. Why do two and two? Why do it on a Monday, Tuesday, a Tuesday, Wednesday in the middle of the week? It's not fair to the fans of the game. These fans love this series. Yankee fans or guard Alfonso will say Yankee fans love coming to city field. They love doing it three times a year. They only get to do it two times a year. Enough of this garbage two and two and oh, we'll do three and three next year. This is the series us New Yorkers love, and baseball is making a criminal move by not giving us six Subway Series games. Maybe it's good this year because the Yankees are so good. We don't want to lose six times, potentially. But I love three and three on the weekend. You cancel all your weekend plans. You tailgate. You make the trip over. You see the sights and sounds of Astoria before. You get some dumplings and flushing before. You go somewhere good. Enough two and two. Give me three and three subway series. Yeah, you could you could do this in the middle of the week. You could do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's still going to sell out. It's still the biggest ticket in town. It's still must see TV and and everything of that nature. The two teams in New York playing you know outstanding baseball, and and uh, you know we all have the the hopes, the aspirations that it ends up you know in a subway series in the World Series in November. Um, in November, but what I think more so than anything is yeah, baseball wants to do this thing. You know, the city rivals thing is a great great thing when you have, you know, such a historic uh, rivalry or, or at least, you know, getting these teams, you know, the more the more times you can get those teams playing each other, the better. I don't really care to see Oakland, the, the little teams, just to bring them all the way across for two, three games. I, I'd rather see another matchup against the Yankees. It's quicker commute. It's a no brainer. Uh, it's going to be sold out and it's good for baseball as well. Figgy of all the years, like the two years that these teams are incredible. This is the best. These two teams have been at this point of the year since maybe 2000. I don't remember 2006. Maybe both teams were this good. I'd have to look at the records. 22 games over 500, 59 and 37 Yankees, 35 games over 500. These are two powerhouses. And we're only getting for four instead of six. July 25th in, in 2006, the Mets were 59 and 41. They were 18, but still not as good because now they're 59 and 37. So and 2015, they definitely weren't. And the Yankees weren't this good either. Yeah, they were also up 11 and a half games on the rest of the division. Yeah. Well, in terms of record, these are the two these best teams have been. Figgy, I think the Mets win both. I don't know. I feel confident. Walker's been great. Herman coming back from an injury, got rocked in his first outing coming back. He'll pitch Wednesday. And if it's Scherzer pitching, I feel good. 
I think the Mets sweep this two games. Set. Yeah, I, I, they're set up to do so. I, I, I really, you know, you got two of your better pitchers pitching. Um, these are the two or weaker links. The Yankees, with that historic first two months of the season, where I think they had a team ERA of three, um, that's starting to you know leak a little bit. The, the injury bug is starting to hit. They're losing key members of that staff, and so this is where you know the concern came. It's not necessarily about can the rest of the division catch up to them. It's just you know that this is what happens. You have to find a way to weather the storm, and when everything is going right and you're winning ball games easily because that offense and Aaron Judge almost single handedly keeps that team you know from from losing ball games from those late inning comebacks because they see he seems to hit a home run in the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning almost every single day. It's like a two or three run home run that he hits. And it, uh, if he doesn't hit that, then he hits two. He hits one in the Please third inning and one against us. I just yeah. don't, don't give up another judge Homer. Although Mets fans will probably like it because everyone thinks Cohen's going to give him a billion dollar contract. Well, yeah, uh, highly doubtful at a billion. And I think the Yankees aren't going to let him walk. I don't think there's any way possible that they do that. So uh, that's that's where uh, the Juan Soto sweepstake dream ends for the Yankees because you're not going to be able to possibly even pay close to both those players. It'll be interesting to see. Honestly, I, I think it's, uh, again, another barometer check of when the Braves came to town and the Mets were clinging in the first place. They were able to you know take the, uh, the series two out of three. Here is only a two game series, but you want to be able to, you know, at least spar and stay toe to toe with them just to see where you're at. And um, is it do or die? And all no, we wait for September for that. The Subway series has always been my favorite as someone who, you know, has many fans, many friends that are Yankee fans got tortured as a kid by my Yankee fan friends. It's, you know, I have my home op- home opener tradition with my dad. I have my own tradition of going to the Subway series every year. I've been to at least one Subway series game every year since 2000 going on 22 years of being at the Subway series. I'll be at both this week. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. We'll see what happens in the two. And hopefully in a week, we'll be talking about Jacob DeGrom's first outing on next Monday's podcast. Amazing, but true. We'll close out this first segment with Gil Hodges getting in the Hall of Fame Sunday. Long overdue. Figgy, and they gave away Gil Hodges bobbleheads, as you see here. So I'll open it here. But talk about Gil Hodges, Figgy. Finally getting in 1969, Mets manager. And it took, what is it, 35th try was the charm for him to finally get into Cooperstown. Yeah, you know, better late than never, but it's always a shame when, you know, you want those guys to receive their accolades while they're alive to enjoy them. You know, the family gets to do it, uh, of course, and his his legacy um, carries on in a major way. Uh, I think for kids growing up in Brooklyn, uh, Gil Hodges, was one of the little leagues that I played against and it was always one of the better little leagues. And they were always funded very well uh, being attached to Gil Hodge's name. Um, they had uh, stadium seating at their f- at their field where, you know, we might have had uh, a couple of metal uh, seat, um, you know, just the bleacher area for our, our parents. But it was uh, Gil Hodge's name was synonymous with um, high quality, high class to play in those and those little stadium fields, they had like a stadium field to them, the way they, they were built. Uh, it, was, it was fantastic to go over there and play. We, you know, I played in like a public park, Kaiser Park, um, by my house when I was playing growing up in the Colney Island Little League and Seagate Little League. So when you got to play at Gil Hodges and then Gil Hodges, they bought a, a separate area where they had bigger fields put up. And that's where you started playing like the Pony League baseball and older where you started 
being able to hit home runs and uh, see if, you know, maybe it could get to the wall in a big league stadium kind of thing. But um, Gil Hodges, of course, is synonymous with winning perseverance, uh, putting legitimacy to this franchise uh, in 69 and after. Uh, I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is that it was about changing the culture of the lovable losers from 62 on. And then they find a way to piece things together and how quickly it turned around for them. And as tough of a manager as he was, and Ron Soboda said that they had run-ins together and, you know, they didn't always get along. He did change the culture of the team. And it's a team that I loved. I wasn't alive, but I love the history of the team. I met 20 of the 69 Mets. I would go to sports card and memorabilia shows. And whenever one of them would sign, I have a big poster. I wish I had it with me and I would get it signed. And that's why I'm rocking my 69 uh, jersey. And here's the ball, button. I like it because it has the Hall of Fame thing in there. It's got Mets Hall of Fame and now Baseball Hall of Fame. I met some people who don't know who he was at the game on Sunday. So, like, it's good to know that, you know, the Mets are teaching people because he his number is reti- he is 14 and 37 are the Mets managers retired Stengel and Hodges. And uh, here it is. I like it. I like the jacket, too, on there. It's like the Buck Showalter. Uh, that was a uh, definitely one of the centerpieces for him was that jacket. He always had that Mets jacket on in the dugout and in every interview. He, he wasn't a guy wearing a jersey and. And just sitting out there and stoking up the sun. That's the way he managed, man. They, they loved him. Um, you know, he was tough but fair. And he, again, he put high expectations on the organization. And once they got to that pinnacle, it wasn't, oh, all right, we just, did, we, we just won and that's it. He was, you know, adamant about finding ways to get back. Um, to the World Series in 73. Well, the Mets and Yankees will try and get to the World Series this year, and they'll start Tuesday in the Subway Series. And a guy who played in the Subway Series World Series in 2000 was Edgardo Alfonso. And Fonzie is going to join Amazing But True next. This next road trip, I'm going to wear a suit with no shirt. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, joining us now on Amazing But True is a guy who played back in the Subway Series as we talk about the Subway Series back in 2000 and when it first started in 1997. He was a Mets Hall of Famer in 2021, an All-Star in 2000, a Silver Slugger winner in 1999, played eight seasons with the Mets from 95 through 2002, also played for the Giants, Angels, Blue Jays, Yomery Giants, Long Island Ducks. He is coached the Brooklyn Cyclones to a title in 2019, and he currently is the manager alongside Figgy in Staten Island for the Ferry Hawks. Let's give a warm return welcome to the great Edgardo Alfonso. Fonzie, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Wow, it's a lot of titles that I have, man. It was a lot of numbers. I forgot about it. You had a great career and you played. I forgot the Newark Bears was another team you played for as well, right? With Armando Benitez, your old teammate. Yeah. And uh, Teen, Teen Rain was the manager. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was a long time ago. It's a cavalcade wow. of stars. And I, I forgot to mention uh, owner of a cameo as well. How much do you charge for your cameos? <laughs> 
Depend, depend who it is. Depend how much. Depend is it going to be birthday or, or or pet top or whatever, you know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm cheap. I'm cheaper and cheaper. I'm, I'm not a Spencer. I'm going like 45, 60. Depend, you know, sometimes with three. That's affordable. 45, 60 bucks. You can get a nice little birthday present, a, a happy birthday, a happy bar mitzvah message from Fonzie to our young Jewish listeners out there. Well, welcome to the show, Fonzie. How has it been working alongside my co-host here this season? You guys are having a much uh, less headaches here in the second half, at least with a winning record so far for the Ferry Hawks. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think the, the first half it was uh, kind of like learning experience for, uh, for everybody. We know that, that you know, putting together is, is kind of hard these days because you, you don't know pretty much the players you get to get, uh, get to know them alone pretty well. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like headed in the beginning, the first half of the second half, you know, I think we, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we got a few guys, a few pieces here, there, and then I think it's been doing great job so far. And, um, the guys start um play the way it's supposed to. You know, we've talked to Doc Gooden before about old timers day coming up. Can you confirm with us that you'll be playing? Do you know where you're going to hit in the lineup? Do you got some dingers left in you? I don't know if you're going to, I'm going to make it the lineup, but um, I would like to at least get one at bats. I don't know about running the base, but uh, I think I'm a can hit. I can still hit the ball. I've been I've been sneaking in my uh, my BP sometimes, you know, hitting one here there, stay loose in case something happened. But uh, yeah, we're gonna be there that day, and uh, I don't know how things gonna be, but uh, I think it's gonna be great for the fans, for the for the for the New York fans, for the Mets fans to see all the all timers there. They're, they're one of the favorite players to show up and be there. Though. So do you expect you're going to get a base hit? Like you still got it. It sounds like you've been practicing and waiting for this moment for a while. i tell you what, um, I think I can hit the ball. I don't know if you're going to get a base hit or, or the ball's going to go travel that far, but I think I can, I can, I can really hit the ball. <laughs> don't worry. Whatever the expectation you have cannot be any lower than what Jake did against me. I threw him batting practice at our park. Fonzie. Yeah, I'm glad you weren't watching Fonzie. I would have been embarrassed to have one of my favorite players as a kid watch me swing and miss on his own field every single time. He was throwing an underhand and I was still missing. <laughs> wow. Well, it's happened. It's happened sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it, it's ever happened that bad. It, it looked it looked bad. I'm going to have to show him the video because it's uh <laughs> It's brutal. Yeah, yeah. He's going to ask you for some tips. The advice is to take up, you know, tennis or maybe golf. He's not, he's not good at a, a baseball moving at him and swinging. We are. Here it is. Look, look oh, at the screen. Here's my home run crunch out it. Oh, oh swing it out of my shoes. Oh, <laughs> swinging and missing as soft toss. You always do everything wrong there. <laughs> Just do the opposite. Just do Any the opposite. coaching. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a lot of work to do, man. If you want to be a, if you want to hit the ball, put him, put the ball in play. We got a lot of work to do. Yeah, Figgy, all I want to do is put it in play. Just get, get a slow roller, even to the outfield. Get me into the outfield once. <laughs> Fonzie, we got the Subway Series coming up. I know that you got to play in a bunch of them. That was one of my biggest disappointments of my career. I never got a chance to nope. uh, to play. in a, No, I, I either got sent down or wasn't up in time to get to the Subway Series. So that was one of my biggest disappointments. I never got to go on to Yankee Stadium field since my high school days and when we won the city championship. Uh, haven't been back there, but talk to us about your experience of playing in the Subway Series. Wow, that's uh, this, uh, this is amazing. I think you're like when start doing it in inter- interleague uh, games, 
was 97, I believe. And then when when we first come to uh, to a Yankee Stadium, that was uh, you know that was that was something you always I mean you saw in TV, but when you walk there, the atmosphere was it was it was really exciting. It was really different. Play against uh, the Yankees and uh, you know stay in New York. I mean the meal money is good because you put you play there and you get, you get to keep your meal money. And that was a great experience for me. You know go across the town and stay in New York. And the bunch of Mets fan went over there, and then when they when the Yankees play home, they come over here, and you see you see something different there. That was something that, that you never you never think about it. You, you, you don't ever dream about it, and it's come through. You know the 2000 World Series. Like how much hype was there in the town? Did you feel it? Did you hear it from the fans and everyone? Um, you know the excitement that was building, and uh, you know those tickets. I remember I couldn't even go. My parents were like, "No, we can't afford this." It was like. $600 to get in. That was back in 2000. So talk to us about the hype of that 2000 World Series and playing in it. It, it, it was funny. Everything started for, for, you know, on the street. When you walk, when you, when you go to the supermarket, when you go to the pharmacy, when you, everywhere you're going, you always hear the Silver Series, Mason Yankee, nice, nice, nice thing for the, for the CD. Believe it or not, um, when I we find out, when I find out that we're going to play against Yankee, it was, I cannot even sleep. I cannot eat. I was so so kind of like uh, you know nervous, but it's like more mentally than anything. My wife was like, "You're not gonna eat. Well, what's wrong with you? It's only a game. You're playing this." And I told her, "Hey, this is this is the, the World Series against the Yankees in New York." And then everything started, you know, started started like get too many things at once in my head. But once we start, when we started batting practice, um, it, it was something then then then, you know, what else a player can ask for? Play in the World Series and be in New York in front of your fans, in front of uh, New York fans, because it could be, uh, could be uh, the Yankee fans and New York fans, and this is keeping in the city. I think it was like, so exciting. Like I said, whatever you're going, you each year, you always hear Mets and Yankee in the World Series. You know, what else can be for, this, for the city? That was something really nice for the city, uh, for the fans, for both the Yankees and Mets fans. And then you know every time we drove to um, on the bus to um, to Yankee Stadium, that was amazing because you know you got escorted by the police, and then everywhere we're going, you know every every little space that we passed through through it, fans was there, you know, cheer for uh, for for us. And then uh, I was those uh, even if you dream about it, you don't think it was that perfect. It would have been more perfect if, if the orange and blue came out on the right side of it. Yeah, that must have been yeah. frustrating losing in five games because all those games were close too. And even the last out, I think we all thought Piazza, that ball was out of here. So it must have been frustrating looking back on it that, you know, the games were close, but the outcome, the series went in five games. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. I think, like you say, every game was close. You know, especially the the lineup the Yankees have by then. They have a great lineup, you know, and and even you know they had to fight because uh, it wasn't like uh, you know like uh, five rounds apart. No, there was like one or two, and then um, I think it was a good series. I mean, definitely we want to win, but uh, it is what it is. Hey, I, I want to also ask you. You know, you've played so long, so many different teams. You know, who's your favorite teammate of all time? My favorite teammate? Oh my god, you go through, through so many. The only guy that that I can say I spend more time and, and help him out and and get along pretty good was Ordonez because you know I was like uh, I was like uh, babysitting him when he, when he first come to a. Uh, to the big leagues because he didn't he doesn't speak the language uh, supposed to and and I have to help him out and, and even even you know in the big leagues we just have to do like a roommate 
me and him. That's what they want us to, to do it. But, you know, I have uh, Carlos Varga, Jose, uh, Jose Vizcaino, uh, definitely, uh, you know, Johnny, because he's, uh, he's Johnny Franco. He's uh, a guy who, uh, who helped me a lot through uh, my career here in New York because he's a New York, New York guy. And, but uh, Piazza, Piazza was uh, a great, great teammate too. Um, that's a lot of people, a lot of people. But, um, you know, the guys that I was close with, it was great because, you know, Cuban, whatever, help him out. Speaking of helping him out, on the road, usually when you get to the hotel, you go by an alias because you don't want to be, everybody knows where the team hotel is and they know, you know, all oh, the players are coming this week, the Mets are coming. So you don't want, you know, strangers just dialing up your name or your number uh, and asking the front desk for access to you. So you should use an alias. What was your alias? Well, my alias was Antonio Bandera. <laughs> Bandera or Banderas? Because isn't that Banderas, yeah. But mm-hmm. then uh, the, the actor, you know, and, and I get and I get calls too, you know. Hey, it's Antonio Banderas. Wait, so you, you replace your actual name with the name of a potentially probably a more famous person in an actor. <laughs> Sorry, but, Fonzie, but he but, is. But yeah, hold on, but hey, Antonio Banderas doesn't play baseball. <laughs> exactly, he's never yeah. gotten a hit in the big leagues. Yeah. Never. <laughs> Ray, Ray Ordonia was Andy Garcia, the the actor too. You know, you got a bunch <laughs> of actors in and the team. But you know what? You you start to change uh, your uh, your name because every time you go, like Fiki said, when you go in towns, uh, you know people call you for tickets. They don't even know you for health for for stuff like that. Even when uh, I remember, I think it was in Pittsburgh or St. Louis. Then um, Bobby B, Bobby Valentine, he, got, he received a phone call like two in the morning. Say, uh, people on the other and the other on the other side of the line say, then uh, you know you have few players. A couple of your players, they're in trouble because they in the disco in the disco fighting and stuff like that, which was a lie. But you know, it's like a, it's like a one bother Bobby uh, at that time in the morning. You know, that's why you change your name. That's that's how that's how we did it. We we started because people calling for tickets. Uh, people you don't even know them. They know you because you know you you ball player, but you don't even know them. They ask for money, they ask for tickets, they ask for anything. So, you know, when you get you, you change your name, you don't receive nobody. You tell your friends, you tell who, you know, whoever, you get to contact you, then then this is your alias thing. I never knew this was a thing. And also in the disco fighting, what is this, 1974 at the disco? <laughs> What's going on, Bobby? I'll tell you what, man, the people, <laughs> there are a lot of crazy people up there, you know? I didn't know you can do that because you could just tell the front desk, hey, this um, Antonio Banderas checking in. Or, or you say, hey, it's a guard Alfonso, but can you put me down as Antonio Banderas? So, here, so here's the thing, right? You, you usually go to Jay Harwood's before you go to that town and say, hey, I want to change my name on the rooming list. I tried to, to change my name to David Wright. I just wanted to see what it was like, <laughs> see, see, what, see what phone calls I would get, see how many phone calls I would get. But uh, Jay, Jay started to do it, and he's like, "Figgy, no, you, you can't, you can't, not a, not a teammate, you can't do that, Figgy." <laughs> so I, I wound up being Jackie Chan for a little while. <laughs> no, it's funny, it's funny, because yeah, I mean, I mean, like I say, it's a lot of crazy people up there, and then they try to they try to do anything, anything. So do you still do that now, or, or do you just keep keep your name now? No, I try to put my full name. Nobody call me now. <laughs> I put my aliens, my, uh, my, my nickname, full name. <laughs> he puts it with his uh, cameo hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> well, your middle name is Antonio. So the Banderas thing yeah. does kind of work halfway there. Yeah. It's close enough. Well, because, because I was thinking about my, my, my last, uh, my, my mother, uh, my mother name, uh, last name was Pino. So Antonio Pino. 
And then I come up with the Antonio Bandera. Well, it sounds good. Is it <laughs> Agurdo Fonz on with Jake Brown. Nelson Figaro, amazing but true. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is Fonzie9, Instagram ELFonzo13, and get him on Cameo as well. Do you think we get a Subway Series World Series this year, Fonzie? Well, it sounds pretty good, man. I would like to. I would like to happen again. I think um, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity for both teams. Uh, hopefully, um, the Mets uh, keep. You know, they they, they get so uh, the Braves get so close right now. But um, you know, it's, 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 they're going through a tough time. But I think they um, they have a pretty good team to to compete this year. They got a pretty good team and Yankees. You know, Yankees, Yankees. But um, I hope and I think everybody in New York wants that rematch of so we're serious. All right. Well, Fonzie, we are doing a live podcast the day of old timers day so we'll probably do it after the game so maybe stop by ebbs brewing beers on us and uh we'll, we'll get your reaction to what you did at the plate and uh good luck in the second half here with the ferry hawks thanks for joining us i appreciate it thank you so much and uh you know we try to do our best and uh try to uh the people comment and support us here in Staten island i appreciate it guys thanks Fonzie. appreciate it it's called improv not impromptu all right, Figgy, that'll say good night to episode 114 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Andrew Hartz, for producing the show. Thanks to our guest, Edgardo Alfonso, also for joining us. Catch up on all episodes of Amazing But True by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us all on Twitter at Amazing But True, at Figgy NY, and at Jake Brown Radio. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We will return next Monday after the Mets series in Miami with the Marlins. Enjoy the Subway Series this week. We'll see you at City. And as always, Figgy, let's go Mets. Mets. God, you're so bad at that. It's the Zoom delay, folks. We'll be (laughs) back in the studio soon. Peace. This whole trip has been one, one big hangover.